Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, September the 29th, 2023. It is the feast day of St. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, the feast day of the archangels. Our reading today is from the gospel according to St. John. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Although this is a lovely reading that I love to talk about, it's very, very powerful. And if anybody saw that episode of The Chosen, you'd see it, uh, you know, illustrated a bit, a little bit of historical fiction there, but still very beautiful. Um, Today, we're focused on the angels instead. Jesus says to Nathanael, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There is a very, very important role given to the angels, not just in our salvation, but in creation itself, in reality itself, in just God's plan being unfolded. For those who do not know, who have not learned about this, we believe that there was a creation that happened before our creation. We often think it's all about us. But before the earth was made, before humanity was made, God made the angels. God was present with them, and he made them all in a state of grace, just as he originally made the human race. And they were there. They were in heaven with God. And there were nine choirs of angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, the thrones, dominions, powers, virtues, principalities, archangels, and angels. And they each had a role to play. So the Lord made them and he gave them free will. He gave them intelligence just like us. There is a question as to whether or not the angels are made in the image of God. Well, in a sense, yes. Um, If we're including, however, the ultimate destiny of the Son of God, which was to become man, well, then in that sense, no, because they never become man. We never become angels. A lot of people think you die, you become an angel. But no, angels are different than us. But we're very similar to them. I mean, to put it very bluntly, very succinctly, we are made body and soul. Angels are made just a soul, but our soul resembles the soul of the angels, except the angels, like I said, were originally made in heaven. We were originally made on earth. We were all born into original sin, so we don't know what it's like to not be in sin. Even when baptism takes original sin away, we still have concupiscence. We still have the results of sin, but the angels were made all at once. There is no procreation among the angels. 
They were made all at once. They were made in heaven. They were made perfect. They were made into paradise. Every single one of them has experienced paradise. And then they were given a choice to follow God or not. They were given free will just like us. Once again, an aspect of being made in the image and likeness of God, to have an intellect and to have a will. Now, do the angels have emotions the way we do? I would think they do, but that's a huge question which we probably won't fully have answered uh, until we get there. I mean, there is, I don't know, I guess over time there has been this sentiment that the angels rejoice when we rejoice, when a soul is saved, etc. I mean, Jesus says himself, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. So I assume he includes the angels in that. There is uh, a lot of mention of joy and laughter in heaven. Um, When souls are lost, there has been this sentiment that the angels are upset about that. God is upset, yet still they allow it to happen because we were all given free will. Uh, So it's an interesting question to to ponder whether angels have emotions. Uh, Just trying to think of some other things. Um. I was thinking about C.S. Lewis. There's no laughter in hell. There's lots of laughter in heaven. Uh, Oh, I'm thinking of different, uh, just, you know, private revelations people have had where the angels laugh. People see heaven and they see angels and there's this back and forth in their emotions, laughing over things that are joyful and happy and funny. Uh, Anyway, that's a question. (laughs) Like I say, we won't have fully answered till we get there ourselves. God willing, we all get there. We're hopefully following the Lord Jesus and repenting of our sins so that we will join the angels one day, one day soon, really. So the angels were given a choice, all nine choirs, and there were numerous angels who chose not to follow God. And that created a state of being called hell. We refer to heaven and hell as places, but they are really states of being. So, and it's said, I don't know where this come from, but it has been said that one third of the angels rejected God, two thirds accepted his plan and followed him. And then they were uh, confirmed either in grace or out of grace, just as we one day will be confirmed either in a state of grace or in a state of separation from God for all eternity. They've already made their choice. They've already been judged. And so, yes, you know, the angels are either in one place or the other. So the fallen angels became known as demons. And there's lots of stories as to what happened with the angels. Let's talk about the nine choirs, though, originally first, a little bit. We see the cherubim and the seraphim in Scripture. We see them in the Old Testament. We are told that they minister to God. They are the ones closest to God. They are the highest angels in heaven, the ones most powerful. In the Old Testament, the seraphim are seen with six wings, wings representing their power. We don't believe they have actual wings like birds because they're invisible. They don't have bodies. The cherubim are seen to have four wings. Once again, a sign of their power. The other five choirs in the middle, the thrones, the powers, the principalities, the dominions, and the virtues, they are mentioned by St. Paul. They're not really uh, shown a great deal in Scripture. We don't see them specifically. We don't get any of their names. Um, but then we have archangels and guardian angels. Guardian angels are mentioned by Jesus. They're the lowest choir, the ones closest to the earth, closest to us. 
But then there's the archangels that are more in charge of big things, once again, regarding God's creation. So Michael is our protector. He is seen as the warrior angel, the protector, patron saint of police, firefighters, and armed forces. We see Gabriel as the one who um, really represents God. Gabriel is the one that comes to Mary at the time of the incarnation. So it is believed and I read this in a book about the devil and exorcisms, that Gabriel is the most important of the archangels. Gabriel is the uh, the king of the archangels, you could say, Uh, the one that literally brings God to the world. And then you have Raphael mentioned in the book of Tobit. Raphael is known, the name means God's remedy. Raphael is known for healing. We pray to Saint Raphael, the archangel, when we need healings, physical healings, emotional healings, etc., And there's many, many others. These choirs are loaded with who knows how many millions, billions, gazillions of angels. We believe the archangels are in charge of larger things, such as maybe a planet, a town, the church, (laughs) uh, you know, larger things, things that are important to God, stars, etc., universes, galaxies, who knows? Who knows what's all out there? The archangels have bigger jobs, and then the guardian angels... We're going to celebrate them in a couple of days, and we believe each one of us has at least one guardian angel. Sometimes we're given more, we are told this, um, if we have particular tasks that are important in our lives, particular reasons. I was told when a person makes a consecration to Jesus through Mary, according to St. Louis de Montfort, they get an additional guardian angel because now they have a larger task to fulfill, having consecrated themselves to Our Lady. So we have these nine choirs with their different functions. Notice the higher ones spend more time in prayer. I mean, who knows? There's no time. So I don't know. Like I say that as a time thing, but no, I just say what we know about the seraphim and cherubim is that they minister directly to God, whereas the lower choirs minister more to God's creation. And who knows what the ones in the middle are doing. But then they had a choice. Many of them fell. The ones that fell essentially blame God's plan for their fall. They don't accept their own. uh, I mean, who knows? I I can't. I don't know their minds, you know, and we don't want to delve too deeply into their minds. But they uh, they rejected God's plan. And what is God's plan that he would make the human race, that he would become one of us? Initially, the plan wasn't about him dying on a cross to save us from sin. There was no sin yet. But God knew that that would eventually happen. But still, even without sin, there was a plan that we would be made through the Son of God, Jesus, and we would be made for him, as the Bible tells us. It would be through him that we are made, and then it would be through him that we return to salvation in heaven. And now that there is sin, yes, there has to be him dying on a cross, him paying the price for our sins. The Lord knew that he was going to have to take care of us regardless. So the Son of God is very much connected to us. And like I said, the Son of God came into the world uh, at the time of Gabriel appearing to Mary. So Gabriel's very much connected with all this and Michael. Michael being our protector and and guardian. So the demons, the fallen angels, initially they were not fallen and they were led by Lucifer, the highest of all the angels, Lucifer who becomes Satan, 
when he rejects God's plan, they do not like the idea of God becoming one of us, God making the human race, etc., God becoming the center of this race. God doesn't become one of the angels, but he does become one of the human race, the Son of Man. So in doing this, um, you know, Lucifer is, what some say he's jealous, some say he's just too prideful to accept it, there's spiritual pride, doesn't want to get his hands dirty, etc., Jesus gets very, very upset with the Pharisees, and I just think, I, it's my personal opinion, there's a connection with all this. The, the, the demons that turned away from God, the Pharisees, and now anybody that sins in the name of God, anybody that continues to be Pharisaical, committing the sin of spiritual pride. And we see it all the time in church leadership, right? And I'm not just talking about bishops. I'm talking about lay people in parishes, lay people in schools. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm so close to God that aren't I wonderful and I can just do what I want and I can sin in God's name. And when we consider all the cases of pedophilia and all this, they're all tied to that. You know, you're going to go to hell if you tell somebody what I did to you, things like that. So anyway, and there's, of course, lots of lies. Truth and lies get all intertwined and mixed up. So people are easily deceived and led astray. So the angels fall and who do they attack? They attack the human race. Why? Because this is God's plan. And there's a jealousy. We have Mary as our mother. They don't have a mother. So the list goes on and on and on why they hate us, why they're jealous of us, why they want to bring us down. And who is our protector? Well, one of the angels that we celebrate today, St. Michael. And it's just, it's an interesting part of the story that's good for us to always remember. Michael wins in defending us from Satan. Our guardian angels win in defending us from Satan. And anyone in the state of grace can win in delivering a person themselves, those they love from evil spirits. As long as we're prudent about it and we do it the right way, saying prayers in the name of Jesus, calling on his precious blood, calling on the angels and the saints, of course, our lady, St. Joseph. Those in the state of grace win, even though Lucifer was the most powerful being ever created. The most powerful created being is now in hell, reigning in hell. The, the whatever, the prince of darkness, the prince of demons, the most powerful being by on the level of nature, but God's grace wins every time. So when you consider the highest of the seraphim fights Michael constantly to take down the human race, Michael is an archangel, part of choir number eight. Michael wins because Michael is in the state of grace. Michael is close to God. Lucifer is not anymore. So it's a message of hope for us. I was talking to an exorcist friend a little while back and he said to me, and he's a good man and he's also kind of funny. And he said, you know, people get all upset about this and they're just demons. They're just, you know, you have a cockroach, you spray, they die. The the demons are easy to get rid of if we follow the rules. The problem is people don't want to follow the rules. People want to make up their own rules. That's what Lucifer did. That's what these people do. And that's why they get all caught up in these demonic situations. He said, if somebody wants to call me and and they want to be delivered from whatever it is that's bothering them, we can do that. All they have to do is follow the rules. They're just demons. And he kept saying, they're just demons. And I was laughing. He said, Hollywood 
wants you to be afraid of demons, but not afraid of your sins. Jesus and the church wants you to be afraid of your sins, but not afraid of demons. So therefore, as we realize that there are these fallen angels all around us trying to bring us down, we need to keep turning to the Lord and in humility, because we're going to sin, we're going to mess up. We do give consent to evil all the time through our sins. So we confidently reapproach the throne of God and his almighty power and his grace. We confidently place ourselves in his hands over and over again. We confidently ask his help. And we realize, yeah, they're just demons. God and his grace always win. So we just have to make sure we're in grace. The importance of going to confession. The importance of constantly renewing our baptism. So as we continue to fight this battle, as we continue to struggle to have trust in the power and grace of Almighty God overcoming evil within us and around us, we turn to the angels. We turn to them today. We turn to them always. You know what's funny? I know a lot of people that don't believe in the intercession of the saints because it's not clearly spelled out in the Bible, even though, I don't know, I kind of feel it is a little here and there. Uh, We certainly believe in the intercession of one another here on earth, and we certainly have read Revelation that talks about the saints praying. I just asked the question, who are they praying for? I think they're praying for us. Uh, Still, those people that doubt the intercession of the saints will, will not doubt the intercession of angels, because it's spoken of throughout Scripture that the angels intercede for us. The angels love us. The angels guard us. Jesus says in one passage that our guardian angels, especially those of children, on the one hand, they guard us and protect us and pray for us. On the other hand, they constantly behold the face of God, our almighty father. And Jesus is saying it as a threat. Don't mess with these children. He's essentially saying that in that passage. Don't mess with them because their angels constantly behold the father's face. And there's a lot to that statement. I didn't mean this to be a sermon about children, but the threat is not quite so strong when we get to be adults and we now become engaged in lots of sin. So he's saying something powerful there. The more there is innocence, the more there is closeness to God, the more there is the power to conquer the evil one. Therefore, children's prayers are powerful and the angels of children are powerful. And we'll talk more about the angels in a couple of days when we celebrate the guardian angels. Uh, but yeah, we should always be praying to our angels. We should be sending our angels to each other, asking our angels, please go help this person that's going through this difficult situation. And please always be with me and accompany me. And they love us. They love us. They want us to go to heaven. This is where the emotion comes in. They really do care about us a lot. And if we ask them to constantly be with us, they will. Uh, one thing I highly recommend that was recommended to me a couple of years ago, and I try to do it often, is to say the Chaplet of St. Michael. You can look it up on Google, the Chaplet of St. Michael. Um, with St. Michael, we pray to all the nine choirs, and we ask them all to accompany us throughout our days. And it's said to be a very, very powerful prayer for protecting us from the evil one and drawing us closer to God. Once again, great recommendations. I ask that the angels will intercede for all of you today and every day, and that we always grow closer together to Almighty God. Have a great day. God bless you.